this tent There you are You're running for your life You're a shooting star And all the years No one knows Just how hard you worked But now it shows In one shining moment It's all on the line One shining Coaches, welcome to the Championship Vision Podcast. Coach Kevin Furtado. Hey, if you want to know who are the best high school basketball coaches and leaders in our country are, you need to stay tuned and listen to the Championship Vision Podcast. We have some of the most renowned and best high school basketball coaches and PE teachers from around the country. Coaches you might not have heard of but have amazing ideas. And I firmly believe every coach in America has genius within them. It's not all about the state championships. It's about the impact you have on your kids and your community. So stay tuned to the Championship Vision Podcast. Coaches, welcome to episode 148 of the Championship Vision Podcast. I'm Coach Kevin Furtado. Today we have Coach Kelly Sopak, head girls basketball coach, Miramonte High School in Orinda, California. He's also the EYBL director and 17 and under Nike EYBL head coach. Coach Sopak founded the Cal Stars in 2006 and has been serving as a club's director and elite head coach since that time. Sopak arrived in California in 2000 and has since made his positive impact on the girls' basketball scene here in the Bay Area and around the country. Kelly has coached teams of all ages, from second grade to high school, varsity, and all levels. Since founding the Cal Stars in 2006, Sopak has grown the Stars into a highly respected national brand in the travel club circles. Kelly expanded the Stars brand and now is the director for several divisions of the Stars Basketball Club throughout the western United States, including the Northwest Stars, Southwest Washington, and Portland metro area. Alaska Stars in Anchorage, Alaska, Cal Stars Ultimate in Walnut Creek, California, and the Cal Stars Valley, Southern California. Cal Stars Sacramento and Cal Stars Swoosh in Santa Barbara. Under Coach Sopak's guidance, the Cal Stars have produced more than 250 college basketball players at all collegiate levels, including 10 plus All Americans, 12 state Gatorade Players of the Year, and countless All State players. The Cal Stars program has grown from one team local kids program in 2006 to a 25-plus team, nearly 500-player program today. As the EYBL club director and head coach of the Stars signature team, the 17 Nike EYBL team, Coach Sopak has helped guide the program from the little-known Arinda Club to the national power they are today. The Cal Stars top team has won multiple national championships, including the rare trifecta of AAU Nationals, Adidas Nationals, and the granddaddy of them all, the Nike EYBL National Champions. The Cal Stars Nike EYBL has also finished as national runner-up and three other final four appearances. 
in the offseason. SOPAC heads up one of the elite public basketball programs in the California. Currently, Coach SOPAC is the head varsity coach at Miramonte High School in Orinda, California. Kelly just completed his 15th year as a varsity head coach in the Bay Area and 11th at Miramonte. Northgate 2005 to 2009 and Miramonte 2009 to the present. During that time, Coach Sopak's record stands at 398 and 66 losses, including a 304 and 46 records since taken over at Miramonte. Coach Sopak took the Miramonte position in June of 2009. Since Coach Sopak took over at Miramonte, the Matadors quickly returned to regional dominance, winning 304 games and counting in the past 11 seasons, including seven straight undefeated DFAL championships and seven consecutive North Coast Section Division III appearances, winning four straight. The Mats won the 2014, 15, 16, and 17 Section Championships. In addition, Matadors reached CIF Northern California playoff all seven years, including a CIF Division III and CIF Northern California Open Division Championship runner-up following the 2011, 2012, 2013, and 14, and 2014, 15 seasons, respectively. The Matadors won the 2006 Open Division CIF Northern California Championship. Coach Sopak helped guide the Matadors to the winningest season in school history with a mark of 32 wins and one loss during the 2015-16 season. Coach Sopak earned the prestigious Contra Costa Times East Bay Coach of the Year Award following the 2012 season and was selected as NorCal Preps Division III Coach of the Year following the 2011-2012, 2012-2013 season and again following the 2013-14 and 15-16 season. Kelly also earned the Cal High Sports Division III Coach of the Year. Most recently, Coach Sopak was named the North Coast Section Honor Coach of the Year, the most respected and sought-after award in the area. Let's welcome Coach Kelly Sopak. Good morning, Coach. How are you, Kevin? Good. How are you doing? Great. Thank you. <laughs> hey, it's hard to get hooked up early in the morning out there in California. It's yeah, tough. It's, it's pretty early. We like to sleep till about 10 or 11 here. <laughs> you California guys are, man. I know that. Uh, of course, Coach, I'm doing the same thing out here, man. I'm I'm used to getting up so early, and, uh, man, I'm getting lazy. I'm, I got to tell you that. <laughs> well, it's this pandemic. You stay up late watching movies, and then you sleep in. Yeah, for sure. And I know you were last night watching the Jordan movie. I was going to ask you a couple, get your response on, talk about two um, two great shows last night, don't you think? Uh, I actually, I record them and then I watch okay. them a couple of days later because it's Sunday. So I don't, I don't do too much TV on Sundays, but. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, smart move. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm almost caught up. I think I'm at six. So I think last night's are the only ones that I have to make up. Yes. Well, I got to tell you, I'm not going to tell you anything. I don't want to give anything away then, but um, I thought they were the two best. I mean, talk about it. There's a lot of meaning behind these two. You really, really saw a lot about what um, kind of made Jordan a little bit. It was really cool. It was, it was one of the, one of the best I've seen so far. Hey, I'd like to welcome you to our podcast. Um, I've had some great California coaches on here. So man, just, um, I think I got my starting five California coaches. All right. Well, I'm not sure I'd be in the starting five, but if, as long as I'm on the team, I'm good. 
<laughs> and I know you know a lot of the guys, Kevin Kiernan and Doc Shepler, all those guys. Boy, what great coaches. Uh, tell us, first of all, a little bit about kind of where you grew up and how you got started in the game and how that kind of kind of led you to doing what you're doing right now. Oh, geez. Um, well, I, I grew up actually in the, in the Pacific Northwest and the Seattle area. Um, was more of a baseball player, loved to play basketball, was never really good at it. Um, I mean, I was okay. I shouldn't say I was that bad, but um, if I, if I run open gym with a high school team, I'm probably about the fifth best player on the floor on a good day. So that, that kind of shows you my level. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, graduate, went to the University of Nevada, played baseball and graduated and, and I'm a state farm agent now. I, I sell insurance for a living, have my own office and kind of got into, got into the insurance thing and my first and only job. And then I can't remember exactly how I got into basketball. Someone asked me to help on a youth team years and years ago. And I started to help and I realized I really didn't know a lot about basketball, even though I, you know, I played recreationally and stuff like that and played in the summers, um, but really didn't understand basketball. And that's what was so intriguing about it is I really, you know, this is almost pre-internet. The internet was out, but information wasn't available on the internet like it is now. Right. Yeah, so, for sure. Um, you could find a few things, you could order some things, um, you know, through the mail, um, things like that. And I just started learning about it and started coaching a youth team and liked it and um, started to see the impact that coaching could have. Um, and, and not necessarily good coaching, just, coaching with passion, you know, coaching with energy and being excited about something and how you can get a group to form together. And then um, a friend of mine asked uh, me to help out on a high school team. And I really didn't want to do it because I'm, I'm such a type A personality that I knew, you know, it would just consume me if I did. So this must have been about 20 years ago, but I, I started scouting for him. So I'd go to games and scout and, uh, you know, come into their practice maybe the day or two before a game and just kind of break down, okay, this is what the other team does. And then every once in a while, I'd go watch the game. And really, I hadn't watched the team that I was helping. I really hadn't watched play. I watched, I watched practice, but I never watched play. And then I kind of got into that a little bit. Then the next year, um, he was an older coach, and it was probably, Kevin, the best scenario ever that a new coach could get into. So I became an assistant coach. And he really didn't like to stand up and coach during the games. He just loved practice. Mm -hmm. um, so he would run practice, you know, responsible for the practice plan, just like any head coach would. And then come game time, I would coach it. But he would it's, sit in that chair. Yeah. He would sit in that chair right next to me. And, you know, if we needed to switch defenses or we needed to sub, he handled all of that. So he really had the control of the team, but I just coached what was out there on the floor. You know, so you talk about a safety net, that that was pretty neat. Um, and the great part about that story is he eventually uh, retired. I came on, and then uh, a couple years later, I brought him back to two of the schools I was at. So um, he became my assistant. So it was it was kind of a role reversal, but it was pretty neat. So that's kind of how it all started, and then it just obviously just took off from there. Yeah, what a, I'm, I'm thinking, I go, what a great internship for you. Uh, you know what I'm saying? If you're coming into coaching, you came into a really good situation like that. Uh, give me your opinion, though. Uh, I have always been a head coach. I don't know if that's good or bad, Kelly, but I, 
I think sometimes we need to be have that assistance mentality to learn how to listen and to follow directions and so forth. What do you think about that? Is there a good pathway for coaches? Yeah, I, I don't know if you necessarily need to be an assistant, um, but I think it's it's very therapeutic to be an assistant. You know, um, in fact, I uh, uh, I've been at this high school now for twelve years, and so I joined the football staff. And last year was my first year as an assistant. And it was, it was really refreshing. It was great to just work with the kids. Um, you care about winning or losing, but, you know, you could sleep at night a little bit better, you know, when the season was <laughs> yeah, over, it wasn't as sure. depressing. Um, there's a lot of things, um, but there's just a lot of responsibilities as a head coach. And w- one of the things that I've really learned in the last few years is I've delegated more than I ever have. And that, that was really hard for me because I'm you know, so controlling in that manner that um, I just really delegated. And I had to kind of step away from it to just say, hey, you're running, you know, the defense or you're running or out of bounds, whatever it was. And I just stepped away from it. And I just thought we got better, you know, because um, there's only so much you can do as a head coach. Yeah, I think that I definitely agree with you there. I think a lot of head coaches, I think we I think we do too much. I think we get worn out. And I think people kind of don't you feel like sometimes you lose your voice with the players by doing too oh, much? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that's um, and, that, and that's probably the, the. The neatest thing about the summer when, you know, and I do the club and even though our <clears throat> kids play in the club, they're spread out over different teams. Right. And. And, and the ones that end up do playing for me, they see me differently, right? My voice is different. And, you know, and I think they see other kids, how they respond to your voice and they become a lot more responsive and then vice versa. Then, you know, when they get different coaches too, they hear a different voice. And I, I, I think it really does help. And what, I, I think it's an advantage for you to coach also in the summer and you're, um, your Cal Stars program, and I think I, I have a I have a really good player that's EYBL, Nike Elite, and so forth. And I wish I had the opportunity out here to also coach in the summer, just to uh, you know get a chance to coach other kids and so forth. Out here in Georgia, it's very restricted. We only can do so much. So I definitely think that's an advantage for you guys out there. Oh, it's it's a huge advantage. Now we don't have some of the luxuries of. You know, I would like to be able to work with our high school team a lot more than we can. We're very limited on that. Okay. Um, basically, right. d- during the season is the only time we can coach. We can have open gyms or conditioning um, out of season, but that's it. But um, for the mere fact of, you know, we, we were kind of sitting around one night as coaches and just talking about the number of games we've coached. And and I think a lot of times as people think rec basketball, you know, it, it's coaching's coaching is kind of roll the balls out. Well, you know, I'm coaching probably, you know, if you count, well, the last few years I've just done one. I, this last fall, I did an eighth grade team, which was just so much fun. Cause sure. I hadn't done youth. I, actually since Sabrina left the eighth grade, I hadn't done a youth team. So it was kind of me going back, but you coach, you know, anywhere to 50 to a hundred additional games in the off season and until you've been in a crowded gym with eighth graders with, you know, <laughs> limited instruction in a close game, you haven't coached. I mean, right. you're, you can really make an impact on 
you know, during timeouts and how to get them to execute in key situations. And you really learn what works and what doesn't work. Um, they're, they're good. When I coach youth, they're, they're my guinea pigs, right? I put in new sets with them to see how they respond to it. And, and then I bring that up to the high school or the elite club level too. But just the mere fact of the games, I mean, you, you compound that over, you know, 10 years. And if you're coaching an extra 75 to hundred games a year over 10 years, that's, that's a big number. You've seen a lot of situations. Yeah. You're really improving your craft that way. I'm telling you, I, that's what I'm saying. I think it's, I think it's a great opportunity and so forth. I, I don't know if they're going to change out here in Georgia. We, we get to work with our players out here in this uh, just in June. So we do a lot of team camps and so forth. A lot of my players, uh, do the club teams and so forth. And I have parents coach that. I'm I'm involved, but I'm not coaching it. But I really love what you guys are doing out there. Talk. I, I wonder want to talk about your mentors because you're you mentioned a lot of articles about really good college coaches and so forth that have been mentors of you. Talk about a few of the mentors that that have really had an influence on you. Well, I think um, I, I've just been f- fortunate because I've gotten to know a lot of, you know, very good coaches and, you know, and they don't, and they're not, you know, we're not on the phone all the time, um, you know, talking like we're old buddies, but the ability to go into their practices and, and watch and watch them operate, watch them operate in practice and watch them operate in the games. Um, so the number is, is big. I've been, you know, all over the country watching practices from, obviously, you know, Oregon to Washington to Yukon to, you know, watching Geno's practice, which is something everybody should do. <laughs> For um, sure. That's, it, it's, it's pretty, it is not what you think it is. You, you would think that um, he would just be this commanding personality, but he's not, he's really, you know, soft-spoken, um, gets his point across real early, but really what, what I learned from him the most is he empowers his players to be accountable for the practice. Um, and his players, if it's not going right, they will stop and fix it themselves. They won't, you know, us as coaches, you know, we'll do something and say, we need a continuous drill and it's not looking good. And the kids try to count it as a completed one. Their players will stop and no, let's guys, let's stop. Let's do it again. Um, they probably know what will happen if they don't, but, um, <laughs> you know, they see it. And, you know, from a Kelly Graves watching Oregon and watching, you know, all their breakdown stuff to their offense and how that, you know, it seems like everything that he does ties directly to what they're doing in the game. You know, they're not wasting, you know, they're not doing 500 drills that, you know, will never happen in a game or may happen for one person in a game a lot of their breakdown stuff. And then you watch their live game and everything in their breakdown drill ties into that live game action. So the amount of repetitions that they're getting um, is, you know, probably tenfold what other, other teams are, are doing. Um, and everything from, you know, Vance Wahlberg and, and we started the dribble drive 12 years ago and I've been fortunate enough to, you know, get to know Vance Wahlberg. He's been out to some of our, practices and has helped us a lot in and how we implemented the dribble drive and the things that and how we've tweaked it over the years so um that that would be the one that i would say sticks out in my mind if and i'm talking a lot here but um as about 12 years ago 
and I was kind of getting bored and I, and I hate to say this, but it, it was girls basketball. You know, we were back in the 1950s <laughs> and playing slow and the scores were low and, and it was, it was really kind of boring and I just wanted something different. And a gentleman by the name of Tom Parrish was a coach at Hanford high school and in, in Hanford. And uh, he said, Hey, have you ever thought about moving your post to the weak side? And I said, ah, it doesn't really make much sense to me. And then he introduced <laughs> sure. me to, to Vance Wahlberg. And it was just like a light bulb went on from the pressure defense to the, you know, to the offense. And, and we kind of tweaked our transition offense to go right into the dribble drive. And so it's, it's kind of a made up thing is what we did. Um, but it was, it was really a rejuvenation 12 years ago that I needed. It was, we're going to play fast. We're going to play up tempo. You know, we're going to pressure on defense and we're going to do it every single day. So that way in March, you know, you can't get ready for that in a week. You have to get ready for that in November to be ready for it in March. And right. it, and what I found was, especially in the club side in the high school and in the high school is kids love it because, you know, a, you have to play more kids. So that means you, you're getting full use of your roster and B there's a lot of shots going up, you know, the number of possessions and, you know, let's face it, kids like to score. So that's kind of where I am on, on those coaches. And, um, and, and I'll still, I'll go out, hopefully we'll have a season. I'll go out this fall and hit a couple more college campuses um, and probably head on too. <laughs> exactly. Yes. It, I tell you what's interesting though, coach is um, I, there's a segment on ESPN. You probably seen it called detail and Gino's uh, analyzing uh, Sabrina on movement without the ball. And some of this are little things that she does. And I really want you to kind of go over how has she developed kind of what I call the craft of the game. She's so crafty. And also I listened to Kelly Graves yesterday on a podcast. And he was, it was interesting. And he was talking about Sabrina, how she uses, you know, he's a pick and roll guy or a ball screen coach is what he says, but yep. Um, how she played a lot of dribble drive in your system, but also she had to adapt and learn how to use a lot of ball. I thought that was really interesting, but he was saying how she is so good separating off the ball screens, things like that. And how Gina was saying how she's so crafty on using screens because she's not a great athlete. She's just so crafty and smart. How did she learn that? Because I know you've been working with her what, since the second grade, I think it was. Talk a little yeah, bit third, about some, third, fourth grade. Yeah, talk about how how she became such a smart and really kind of analytical player type. Well, first and foremost, he with with and we're talking about Aneski, right? Yes, yes. No, I'm I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> um, you know, first and foremost, I, and I've said this so many times, it's at nauseum, but I don't. With her, first off, what separates her is her competitive nature. And it's everyone's competitive. Everyone's competitive, but there are levels to it. And her competitive nature and what I've always said about her, she cares more about the scoreboard than anything else. And there's not, we can talk about people that are competitive and they want to win. There's not many like her. And, and they're, they're on one hand probably. And I don't know who the other ones are. And I'm sure there are. But that's from the time she was young, that's all she cared about was the score. She didn't care about herself. She didn't care about her stats. Yeah. Would she get mad if she didn't play well? Of course, but that score had to have more points on their side than the opponent's side. 
And there's not a lot of players like that today. There's not a lot of <laughs> parents like that today. And, and, and I don't think there were a lot of parents like that when we were young either. And I'm, this isn't a generational thing. And if we talk long enough, I'll talk about what I think about kids today as opposed to when we were young. But yeah, for sure. Um, <laughs> so that, th- that's, you know, I think first, first and foremost, this, the second component of that before we get into our kind of fundamental side is, and I say this a lot, is kids, especially now they go, and this is what's probably changed generationally is kids go in the gym now to work on their game. And Sabrina doesn't go to the gym to work on her game. Now, that may be a product of what happens while she's in the gym, but I like to go to movies. You may like to go to ballet or whatever it is you like to do. <laughs> Sabrina likes to go in the gym and shoot. That's what she likes to do. That is if there wasn't a game for the next five years, tomorrow she'd probably be in the gym shooting because that's what she likes to do. And what I tell people, if you don't like to do it or love to do it, then you're not going to hit that level because it's just, it's different. I mean, she'll just, she doesn't go in the gym and shoot when she has a bad game. She just goes in the gym and shoots. Um, and then she works on her game, but back to her craftiness. I mean, a, a lot of that does come from just that, you know, desire to win all the time is you just learn that there's no right or wrong way. Um, the other thing, she wasn't bogged down with a lot of trainers when she was young. You know, she didn't, um, I was kind of the gatekeeper on that, you know, with her sure. parents and, at an early age, you know, the trainers come out um, and there, and, and I say this, there's some phenomenal trainers. And usually the ones that I've had for Sabrina are phenomenal trainers. I mean, they're, they're really good. Um, and I use trainers in our off season. I use trainers in our Cal stars club. I mean, there's some really good ones, but then there's the, you know, the, and one trainers, right. That just, it, it's, it becomes silliness and her parents were just getting approached all the time by people and what I told them was, not not to sound profound, it was just whatever I was thinking at the moment, I said, hey, just refer anybody to me. And the good ones will call me, the bad ones won't. And that's right. I, that's exactly what happened. You know, you know, 90% of them never picked up the phone to call me because they knew, oh, going through the gatekeeper, I'm not going to have any luck. And then the ones that were good would call and say, hey, you know, this, this is what I think she needs to work on. And you know, I talked to Sabrina about it and then, you know, maybe we'd use the trainer a couple of times. Sure. You know? um, and that's kind of continued to happen throughout her career. So she's been really selective in that. Um, so she's not getting too much stuff in her head. And why I say that is there's not preset moves. Is she just kind of really learns what shot she can get on different spots on the floor and just, and just reps them. Probably my, my best story with, um, Sabrina in her, and I've, and I've told this a number of times too, her mid-range game is, as everyone knows, on point, right? And um, I had a group of young kids, we were working on um, mid-range games, you know, pull-ups and floaters and things like that. And I said, hey, and the parents were there. And these kids were, you know, for anywhere from sixth to eighth grade. And I said, you know, how many hours or how long do you think it took me to train Sabrina how to do this stuff to get to where she's at. And, you know, everyone here knows Sabrina. They're like, oh, you know, years, right? <laughs> and I said, it took 45 minutes. We went in our small gym because our big gym was was busy. I set up some cones on spots where she can come up off the floor, kind of how to shoot a floater, how to, you know, wh- what one we should be pulling up on. And she worked on it for about 45 minutes. And as we were leaving, I said, well, now you know how. And 
you just you just do the rest yourself. I never worked with her again on those. Um, and so I can't tell you how many times she was in the gym working on her mid-range game, right? Um, if she's going to wait for me to set up the cones and <clears throat> and shag balls for her, well, she's going to be about as good as me, fifth, fifth best player on the team, right? <laughs> sure. Um, and she just went and did it. So it took, you know, you just give her a little bit of information and, and she works on it. You know, That's the can, ultimate separator, right, coach? Those kids that you can – we call those kids coachable, but those kids are doable. I mean, they, you tell them something, they actually go do it on their own. That's key to success. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. I love that. I love that story right there. And I, and um, you know, the more I read about her and kind of, you know, study, you know, how she, because I have, I have some girls that want to be like her. I just want to tell you that I have some kids that, um, are not great athletes, but very smart players and they love the game just like she did. So I'm trying to steal some information to kind of share with them because they're really excited about me talking with you and so forth. Um, give us some other things that, um, give us some fundamental things that, um, you know, let's take, for example, coming off a of ball screen, because we like using ball screens for our best players on that. Talk about how her ability to read and kind of attack the area. Yeah, and I would say to back up a step is, you know, for them, ball handling fundamentals. Um, our, our offense, I probably, you should probably delete this part out, but our <laughs> offense, 90% of it, um, you know, and this, again, this is just dumb luck. Um, in youth basketball, you've always heard the coaches say, make them go left, make them go left. Yeah, for sure. So in our dribble drive, you can go right, you can go left. I thought, you know what, let's, let's just go left. They're making us go left. So all of our repetition is 90% of our offense engages going left. So if you look at like all the point guards that I've had, they're all extremely good with their left hand to the point where a lot of people think Sabrina's left-handed, but sure. from the time she was in third grade running the point, she was going left. Um, but backing up out of that before we get to coming off the ball screen is her fundamentals are so solid. And why I say that is, she can, she'll be able to get herself out of any situation. So, and that's, that's really, when you talk about a separator, that's the separator. A lot of times people get stuck because, you know, they don't have their out move. If, you know, somebody hard hedges that screen, right? Sabrina can push the ball through the middle. She can reverse and set up a rescreen because she can go back left or right or whatever she's going to do. So mm -hmm. I would say first and foremost is equal as you can get those hands. That's, that's what you need to get. Yeah. Because she's point. deadly. And she might be more deadly going left than she is right. Uh, it sounds strange, but I'd probably make her go right a little bit more. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I, th I think that's it. But her ability to read it, um, I'll, I'll give you an, uh, one thing on that. Uh, well, coming, coming off the ball screen, this was two, might have been last summer. Last summer, our gym was closed for something. So we were working at a middle school gym in June and Sabrina came out. And we were working off, coming off the ball screens, and um, it in the pick and roll, and she she just said to the kids, and she's really quiet. She doesn't she doesn't really say a lot. Even like if she's working with our kids younger, she's just a kid in the line. She doesn't really say a lot. And she told the kids just impromptu, just said, "Hey, as you're coming in, make sure your eyes dart somewhere into the middle of the paint to hold that help defender." And um, I think one of the kids got it. And I, and then I started watching her do it. And I'd never thought about that. Right. 
right? And I said, Sabrina, can you repeat what you said and why you said it? She said, well, when you're coming off that role, you want to get your eyes to where that help defender is to hold them there. So if they come to you, you're going to get the, you're going to hit the roller, but hopefully they just hold with the roller because you're, you're making eye contact with them that you're going to the roller and then you're just going to get a layup. And then, so it's to answer your question, it's a lot of those little things that she's using her eyes to set up, to set up her own shot, you know, how she, you know, where she positions the ball, the extra dribble wide or looking to, you know, cross over anything like that to kind of hold defenders. So um, that's, you know, one of the things that she does and she does it the opposite way too, right? She won't look at the, if she wants to hit the roll, sometimes she's not, she's just going to stay focused on the drive, keep her eyes straight ahead, but no, cause she has such great vision. As soon as that defender steps, she makes the pass. So. Um, that's a little bit of it right there. That's a great detail. Yeah, I'm thinking how deceptive you need to be as a player. Those are little details that, that the great players have, right, right, Kelly? I mean, not everybody's going to yeah. have that. I really work on that. Well, the first, the first thing when she played for us in club, the first thing I would have to tell new elite players, I would have to constantly remind them, she sees you, she sees you, she sees you. Because they're so used to whether it's a post running the you know running the rim, they're so used to man. I ran the rim. I was open. I didn't get. Hello, this is Craig Reed, owner and CEO of Corny Board Aids. We specialize in providing coaching aids and equipment for the basketball coach. We are also home of the Corny Board, the original sideline coaching board. I want to recommend Championship Vision Podcast. It is a great way to get insights into what other great coaches and leaders do in their programs. Kevin Furtado brings a great tool to coaches with this podcast. Thanks, Coach Furtado. If the pass plays over or a wing running to the corner. Um, I, I just remember Kat Tudor uh, from Oregon State, you know, a good three-point shooter when we had her. she would When we first got her, she would run, and as soon as she didn't get the ball, she just kind of stopped because she knew, you know, okay, I'm not getting the ball this possession because of whoever her point guard probably was just, you know, that, that pass wasn't in their repertoire. And um, with Sabrina, I had, I had always told me she sees you, she's setting you up to get more open, right? Cause she can make that pass too early and they're going to close out. You know, I I've watched this. This is funny too. I've watched Sabrina at uh, bounce pass, slow bounce pass to a kid that, you know, couldn't shoot. Right. But it was the right pass to make to allow the closeout to come so she can get the ball back. I mean, she's, <laughs> I, I've said this so many times, she's playing chess and everyone else is playing checkers. The kids missed three shots in the corner. Sabrina drives going, crap, this kid's open again. She's going to shoot it and going to miss. Let me just give her a soft bounce pass. You know, it's going to be safe. She'll get it. The closeout will happen. I'll get the ball back and we'll do something else. Um, or if I wanted to shoot it, I'm just going to hold that defender one step longer, zip the pass in there in her shooting pocket and away it goes. Right. Um, but that's, you hit it right on the head. It's just crafty and very, very intelligent. So as coaches, we all, we all, we all think like, Hey, you know, we can coach that up. My opinion is this, because I have really smart players. A lot of my smart players are learning that just through the trial and error of being out in the driveway and playing a lot. I think you learn a lot of it on your own. I think I would love to admit that I coach all my players but I think a lot of great players learn on their own. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean and, and she's, <laughs> and, 
And he, the other thing too, with her, and I've said this, I, I, I just feel like I'm always on repeat with Sabrina because, <laughs> you know, it's the same stories, but it's so simple as from the time she was young, probably fifth grade, she would come to our elite practices. She would, her and her dad would come to the elite games, you know, when their, their game was done, you know, and I'm going over to coach our top team, they'd be there watching the whole game, not to, you know, schmooze, it just, and she'd come sit on the bench and just watch and listen. And, um, and, and probably that's the other thing I mentioned her dad and her mom is I, I can't emphasize that enough. They just let me have her. It was, you know, the good, the bad and the ugly. Um, and I was so hard on that damn kid, you know, I mean, as far as what I asked of her, but just something for parents to just don't coddle them, you know, let them, you know, the one thing I tell our high school kids, there's only one thing that, you know, I can promise you. And that's that I'm going to provide adversity for you. I'm going to provide you with a struggle. And, and we know in life, every time we've overcome anything worth something is, is where we've learned the most and where we grew the most. And, and I think that that was it. They, they never interfered. And they're the one family that could have, right. They're that one family that said, sure. Hey, you know, my daughter's not getting enough shots, you know? And in fact, it's, pretty funny now watching her even transition the WNBA where um, it was her sophomore year and we played modern day and um, they, they doubled and triple teamed her like a lot of teams did. Right. They were at the elite level and we couldn't really do anything about it. And we lost and in the locker room after I, I told the kids, I just said, Hey, that loss is on me. Don't worry about it. That shit's not happening again. And, um, and that was my, that was my post-game speech. Right. And we went back and we had a, a little point guard now that plays at Lehigh, uh, Claire Steele. And the next day of practice, I put Claire up point and I moved Sabrina to the wing. I never had a conversation about to Sabrina. You know, I never said, hey, did you talk to the kid? Did you let her know what you were doing? Did you talk to the parents? No, hell no, I didn't do that. I put Claire at the point, put Sabrina at, 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 our, at our left side and told Claire and under no circumstances, the ball to go anywhere else except Sabrina. So you either try to score, or get the ball to Sabrina, and get the hell out of the way. <laughs> um, right. <laughs> and my whole thought was it is I was wearing her down at the point position. You know, if I need her to play point guard, I can always just say, "Hey, Sabrina, go to the point." Right. Um, and a year later, we beat Modern Day in the locker room. And from that day, she's always kind of played played the point off off guard. And you know, we beat him the next year and beat him pretty handedly. Um, and in the post game locker room. And I said, remember a year ago. And I said, this was the, this was the move we, and that was the only time we talked about it was a year later. And she never questioned it. Never. Hey, why am I not running the point anymore? You know, just never, never had a conversation about it. Not, not even on the side, not a hint, nothing. Um, and I think that was, you know, it just shows you about her. And then she goes to college and she's, point guard of the year kind of playing off the ball right i think she's three-time national point guard of the year and right she's playing off the ball and as kelly graves i think probably saw that it's hey let's let these other point guards do a lot of the work and now she's going to go to new york and you know she'll play her share of point guard but don't don't saddle her with bringing that's a big burden to bring the ball up the floor you know, every possession, every game that, that'll work. And, it, and shoot, she was playing what 35 minutes a game in college. You can't play 35 minutes a game, get triple doubles and have to carry all the supplies up, up the mountain. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I love that. Um, 
and I'm, 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 I'm seeing what you're doing there and I'm kind of relating to our groups. I have a, I have a great player as well. That's going to play at the next level. And she gets very, very similar. She's not, of course, not as good as Sabrina, but she gets double, triple teamed. And I did move her out of the point as well because I think she's easier to guard, you know, with, with yeah. a ball. And it does take a lot out of her. And I, I love the humility that you showed. You didn't blame anybody else. You actually took the, you took the blame. And, and I love how coaches do that. It says a lot about your character and so forth. That's a great story. I appreciate you sharing that with us. I want you to talk about your program strengths. How do you build a great program um, cause this is what this podcast is all about. Cause I have a lot of coaches that listen. You mentioned your, your five programs, uh, strengths kill. And number one is team. Talk about that a little bit. Well, I think it's really important that e- even at the elite club level, our, our roster, my rosters with Cal stars are, are typically far more than, you know, normal EYBL rosters. Um, and you've got to get those kids to buy in because they are going to play less. And part, part of my recruiting ploy with my Cal Stars, and, and I tell the parents and the kids, because you're recruiting the parents as well, is you can go anywhere else and get more playing time and get more points and get this. Every kid on this team is going to sacrifice to be on the team. There's not a kid that's not going to sacrifice because they could go somewhere else and be the best player. And in fact, at our first practice, which we've not had yet, but uh, for this team, but, you know, I get them in the paint and, and just tell them, Hey, because I meet with every parent and every player, Mm -hmm. you know, before they're on the team, because I want them to have that understanding of what my, what my vision is for them and what my vision is for the team. And I just reminded me, you know, you're selected for this team because you fit with what we're doing, both your, your parents and your players. I can't pick my parents on my high school team, but I can pick my parents on my club team. And I want parents that are supportive and I want kids that are going to buy into that team because everyone has to contribute, you know, to be happy. And I know, and, and I, and I tell them, you know, it, it's okay. And that's the other thing, you know, some, some coaches, you know, you know, if a player is upset because they didn't get to play a lot, they get upset. No, shoot. You should be upset. You know, if you're not playing a lot and after the game, you should be upset. Now, if it gets in the way of what we're trying to do as a team, now now you're becoming selfish, right? But, um, you know, what what I explain to the players is you're not going to play 32 minutes a game like you did on your high school team. You know, you're going to play, you know, a rotational part, but they're going to be big parts. And the other thing, you're being evaluated by college coaches. Do you really want college coaches to evaluate you at the end of July when you've been playing 32 minutes a game for the last five oh, That's minutes. a good point. Yeah. You know, you, you want to stay fresh. You want them to see your best. You don't want to see fatigue. And the kids that I get buy into that. And of course there's times when kids want to play more and, and there's certain games where you do play your best kids a majority of the time. But, you know, for the most part, you know, one of the, the greatest things that we've had with Cal stars on our EYBL team is we have played every kid in every game of every EYBL game that it's, that's, that's been it, you know? And sometimes I, I remind the kids, especially if, you know, we get, you know, Susie doesn't only plays three or four minutes in a game at the end. And I remind them in the post game, I, you know, I always like to say, Hey, do you see those kids at the end of their line with their warm up shirts on? And they're like, yeah, I said, just remember those kids didn't get in the game that, you know, there's teams that you're going to play and rightfully so, right. I'm not critiquing the other coaches. It's just that 
our philosophy is we are going to play everybody. And I know some of those kids that only played three or four minutes are upset that they only played three or four minutes, but that's three or 400% more than the end of their bench played. Um, so I think that's, that, that is huge. And at the high school level, it's, it's really big that your role players or your situational players, that they understand that their role is important. Um, and I kind of explain this all the time. You think about it, you, Sabrina comes out of the game and maybe you're not handling the point guard for Sabrina, but you're handling the post or the wing. Your two to three minutes that she's on the bench is more important than Sabrina's minutes on the floor because things can go south in a hurry with, right. you know, you're all American on the bench. And if, if you can go in there and contribute, then those are huge. And there's more pressure on you than there is on Sabrina. Sabrina has 30 of the 32 minutes to make up for whatever she did wrong. The, those situational role players don't, they have to go in and perform. And that's, you know, that's a hard job, but you know, that's what they signed up for. And I think if you encourage it, you foster it, um, they, they buy into it because you believe in it and making sure that you're identifying that after the game, you know, or, or even during the game, you know, <laughs> Yeah, and I love how you're you're explaining that early on. Your your expectations sound to me very clear. Uh, and of course, if they don't like it, I'm sure there's another program for them. Right? I mean, this is this is the way we do yeah, it. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yep. And and it's and it's really interesting how things um, um, evolve. I'll I'll give you a funny story. It's it, it's kind of cool because she just got named a high school coach, Ali Marino, who <laughs> graduated in 2010. She ended up playing at Sac State was the associate head coach at San Jose state okay. and then just took the high school job at St. Mary Stockton. Um, and the time she came on, we, we literally Kevin on our team, we had 13 kids. We had no post, we had 12 kids. We had no post players. Allie was late to kind of the workouts. And I really like she, she's like five foot. I think they list her at five, five. I, I don't know if she's <laughs> over five, five, Yeah, but um, just a spunky kid. Right. And still is a spunky 28 year old. Um, and she really liked the workouts, you know, and just said, Hey, you know, her mom said, do you have room? And I said, no, we, you know, we've got one roster spot. I carry a big roster. Um, she says, man, you have a lot of guards. I said, well, Allie will make 13. And, and she said, well, where do you think she fits? And I said, well, right now she's 13, you know, but I like her, you know, I, I want her. And, I didn't think she was number 13. I thought she was probably number 10. So I don't want to sound like I really knew something that I didn't. Um, and her mom said, well, Allie wants to play. So she's in. After the first tournament, she started the entire summer. Wow. She's one of those kids that it was that glue kid that you had to have on the floor. Yeah. And, you know, if a parent would have, you know, and I, and I thought she would get some playing time because she had some moxie to her. I never thought she would start and let alone not have, you know, not want to take her off the floor. Um, but, you know, if a parent would have just looked at what they thought the situation was going to be, oh, you got 13 guards. Well, we just ran five out that summer. You right. Know? And, um, but yeah, so it, just have those conversations and then you're not, you're not surprised by it either. But it's amazing how those roles, those roles flip as transparent as you are about things that, um, you know, I've had kids that have started in the starting lineup and then, end of summer and, you know, playing those situational role minutes and other kids step up and, and perform. 
Yeah, and you can in, you can improve or increase your role, right, based on your attitude and performance, I'm sure. Um, Coach, yep. tell me about your system. Uh, do you run – I'm assuming you run the same system as you do in CalSTARS, you do at Miramani. Um, and I guess one word that I've, you know, kind of learned from you is you're about pressure. So teach me your system, offense and defense. Tell us a little, you don't have to give the complete details, but kind of tell us what you're about. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's funny. We always talk, when we talk about pressure, we always talk about pressure defense, right? Um, There, there is such thing as called a pressure offense when you're putting pressure on the defense every single time you get the ball. So our first thing is we, we love to transition. So we're either, um, and, and it does make us difficult to guard because what we do is we're always in transition and the kids have the freedom to play in transition. That's, that's what we want. So we, we're either in, and we've kind of evolved a little bit to we're, we're dribble drive and we're ball screen motion. So we have those two, I guess, platforms for our offense aside from quick hits, right? Um, so once we get the ball, make miss whatever it is it's we're, we're running our lanes we're in transition we're trying to score now we already know or the kids already know if it breaks down we're in ball screen motion um what we call cycle or our dribble drop okay. which is just goes right into our office so that's kind of preset you know hey we're transition to dribble drive or transition to cycle um and so we're always trying to get a numbers advantage um once we get the ball and then once we've decided, Hey, it didn't break down. We're now in one of those two. We're in one of those two sets, which is still in attack mode, right? Dribble, uh, ball screen motion, a little more patient. Um, and usually we'll, we'll start in dribble drive, of course. And then of course we have our litany of, of quick hit plays that we want to get into. So really we're transitioning. I would say, 60% 60% of the time we're probably scoring in some form of transition because we transition that right into dribble drive. It's not like we center the ball to the top, call dribble drive and run the set, right? We just, it's just a natural read and react type of offense and every, and you know, how much, I don't know how much you do the dribble drive, but every action, there's a reaction to it. So um, keeping, keeping the floor spaced are the two things we always talk about is pace and space and those are the two things that we always have to have and that works really well when you're on the summer circuit and there's 90 courts and (laughs) 180 whistles going and everything is you just remind the kid pace and space pace and space that we've got to keep the the pace up offensively and we have to keep the space up and if you and if you keep that then you're either going to get open shots or you're going to get open lanes i mean that's that's what's going to happen and and if we have trouble, because there are some, that's the great thing about the EYBL is there's just some, you know, we have some pretty good athletes. Um, for the most part, you get back, well, where you're at, out of, out of Georgia, we played, I think, Team Elite out of Georgia last year. Um, I mean, athletically, they have some kids that can just get up in your stuff for 94 feet, you know, and that you don't have much chance to go by them unless they fall down or they decide to tie their shoe or something. So. <laughs> that's when the ball screen motion kind of comes into play where, okay, now we're going to make you, we're going to make you have to have to defend something here um, if we can't get by you. So mm-hmm. that's, it's pretty, it's pretty simple. Kids love it because they're going to get shots. Right. 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 Um, well, it's funny you say that because um, 
my my guard that I have is actually plays on that that team, uh, the Nike Elite. She's actually going to play on the the the, um, the seventeen hundred team this year. Well, if they play, so I, I don't even know if they're going to play. Uh, but it's a great program and so far. Really, the top kids here in the Georgia Atlanta area. Um, she's really gotten a lot out of it. Very well coached. They do the right things. Very disciplined. I really like what they do. So I know a lot of good coaching at the club level. Um, uh, we're actually a dribble drive team. The problem, though, Kelly, is I got a big girl, and I'm kind of old school. I'm going to put her down in the paint, and we're going to do a lot of pass, cut, dribble drive around her. Help me out a little bit with that on that because I don't want to put her in the offside short corner on the weak side. I'm going to put her on the block. Well, I'll, 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 give, you, I'll give you two okay. things, <laughs> one, of which, one of which will remind you to stay true to the dribble drive. The other will be to put some stuff in. But <laughs> I had a kid um, name is Brianna Alford who played at LMU um, and is playing overseas now. Um, and, and I tell our post players this all the time. So she ended up, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm rough, I'm rough estimating her numbers. Now she was a five, I think she's five eleven, but probably five, five ten, five ten, five eleven. Let's call it um, post player. Now for me and my high school team, that I, they might as well be seven foot if I can get a post player five. five <laughs> sure. Because we we don't, you know, we just don't get them that big. Um, Club wise, another story. Um, and I tell our kids this all the time. So she, I think her numbers, her high school career, she was about, let's call it 1,100 points, 1,200 rebounds. That, that was her high school career. Yeah. And, and I tell kids, if you want to score 1,100 points, get 1,200 rebounds, go play, you know, full ride at LMU as a five foot ten post player, and then go play professionally overseas, then stay on that weak side and do your job. Because we, ne- I said, the next time we run a play for her will be the first time we've run a play for her. We never ran a set for her in four years. And she, that, that position you can just clean up at just in its natural state. Um, now, two of those years, she had Sabrina passing to her. So that, that, that helped, helped yeah, a little bit. Sure. Um, you know, so that, that, that wasn't a yeah. bad thing to have. And then the other thing is we, sh- we, we were such bad shooters. She had a lot of opportunities at getting rebounds. So that, that helped her. Um, but what I, what I would say is stay true to it, but yet set some stuff in some duck in stuff for right. her. Um, you, you can run some high, low stuff where, um, we, we run some action for ours. I can always send it to you, but, um, just keep that dri- those dribble drive principles and then utilize her. Um, and then you, you just make sure that, you know, the, the, the three things that um, we always tell our post players of when to post up and they have to demand the ball, right? In that dribble drive, if there's a skip pass, skip equals post up. So if that ball right. skips, she's got to post up and demand mm-hmm. the ball. And if it skips, it's either three or right. key, right? You're either shooting the three or passing it to the key to the post player. And then any retreat dribble. So your, your guard drives, soon as they retreat because they can't get by something it's automatic post up and now we're we're posting up the whole possession and then the other thing anytime there's eye contact so and that's a simple cue so what we would do like with sabrina and alford is if sabrina just stares at her then that's your cue get your ass in there post up i'm giving you the ball um so just those three those three things give her 
but she has to do it right. And you, as a coach, you have to reinforce it that, and the team has to, Hey, that ball skips. It's a post up. We're, we're skipping to shoot or skipping to post up. Um, and, and then you just put in some quick hits for her. And, and the, the other thing is, can she run? Can she run? Not, not as good as we want. She's, um, she's a tall girl actually right now. I mean, we have her on a training program right now, but um, not a great runner. But where she's gifted, though, Coach, she has great hands. I mean, really good hands. I mean, she's very soft hands. She has a smooth touch. Um, so she's got some she's got some skills that'll carry her to the next level. But she's not a great runner. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I and I think they can. We had Mallory McGuire, who's now at Boise State. She was at Oregon for a while, and um, her transformation was remarkable running angel jackson at usc um same thing wasn't known as is a runner and just she started to like it right and just challenge her to hey you want to wear out your defender just keep keep sure. running um and then and then you know what's great about the dribble drive is the spacing right the spacing is so spread out you know and especially if she can pass um out of it then, you know, ball goes into her, it's cleared out. We run some, if she can finish with her left hand, we run some um, some weak side um, clear out stuff where she gets the ball on the weak side and just everything is cleared out. Um, so we run a lot of that um, because there's no one in that, no one in that paint. Um, and of course you can do some ball screen motion out of it like we do as well. Right. Um, is your ball screen motion, um, do you have a two post set? Or is it, or how, how do you run your ball screen? Tell me a little bit, because I basically have we, a lot we, of guards in one we, post. <laughs> yep, we 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 tweaked it. Um, we have our um, we run it almost out of a five out, even with okay. a post, because we clear out we clear out the side. If if you can imagine one post setting it, say from the right side, and then you, you run that ball screen motion action you're looking for the drive and if you don't like it you switch you swing it to the top of the key um and then you look quickly high low so that roller so your post would be diving down looking for the roll when that ball swings they're going to look high low so we're trying to give her two options out of there the point guard then x's back out to the wing as the ball swings and we set another ball screen motion and you can if it's a guard up top because you have a yeah. guard like what we do with our high school team we run a pick and pop off the off the backside. So now I pass it instead of a pick and roll, pick we pop. pick and okay. pop. Yeah. And then and then that post now comes back up to the top. And if they don't have the pick and pop, the shot or the drive, swing it to the post, it happens again. On I love post. that. Yeah. Send that to uh, can you send me uh send me that coach? I love yeah. that. I love that action right yeah, there. Like yeah. Um because we actually have we've been developing our program. We started it four years ago from nothing. It's a new charter school. So and we're getting better and better with better players. That always helps, right? Yeah, better players. But it, it, does. it does. So, and but I, I want you to kind of go into your defense a little bit too. Um, is it pressure mainly man to man matchup? How, how do y'all? How do y'all run your pressure defensive system? We we run a um, Wahlberg two two one okay. press. Um, now, when when we had Sabrina in in high school. What? Because it, it's funny. We're, we're known as okay, a gimmick two two one. This is what we do. Do we really teach anything? Blah blah blah. Yeah, I've heard it all. <laughs> sure. Right. We work on we work on man to man every right. single day. All, all the principles and um, 
when we had Sabrina, what we would do, especially our senior year, is we just wanted tempo, right? We wanted that pace. So a lot of times we're, we're pressing just to get the pace up and what, and we're trusting in our conditioning, right? We're trusting that we're going to play you and you think that you condition as much as us, but you don't. And we want you to get playing fast. And what happens is 90% of the time, your kids love it as, as, as our opponent, meaning we're playing you, you guys are going up and down. We're getting a few turnovers, but you're still scoring. And your kids are having a blast because everybody's shooting and scoring and they're fired up. And, but it's a multiplier, right? You, you score one out of every, you know, one out of three trips, we're scoring two mm-hmm. out of three trips. And you're looking up going, man, we're down 12. And now the fatigue starts to set in, right? But with Sabrina's group, we would, we would go two, two, one. And then the fourth quarter was always straight man. And kind of when I felt, okay, we've, we have had 24 minutes. Now we're just going to make, now we're going to make you execute in the last minute. And that's when, that's kind of when the wheels would fall off to, to most right. of the teams is, you know, that. Um, and so we, you know, we're, we're either doing that or if we're in man and, I have not been a very good zone coach, um, but we are tinkering more with it. So now what we're doing a lot of, if, if we're in, um, we're rotating between man and zone just to really make people not, not be comfortable, not let them see the same look every single time. And we've tinkered with things from, you know, on a, you know, on a make we're in, you know, on a make we're in, uh, man on a miss we're in zone or you know what whatever it happens to be we've done even things with if we have an even score on our number we're man if we have an odd score we're zone you know and the kids the kids love that kind of stuff right um so, yeah but just mix mix mixing it up now more than ever but just lo- love the pressure defense love the trapping sometimes we we do it from the half court. You know, sometimes we back it up. Sometimes it's our two, two, one, we single stack it. We, it looks like a one, one, two, one, um, but really it's a two, two, one. And then, and then single stack it. So yeah, go ahead. Yeah, for sure. I love that. I, I, I do think it's, I guess it depends on your personnel, right coach? I mean, we play against teams that are very athletic, probably more than us. So we have to mix it up, <laughs> but we're going to mix it up aggressively, kind of like what you guys do. I like, I love that. Um, hey, talk about now is your third point is your roles and opportunities. That was your third strength of your program. Talk well, about it, that it a little goes bit. Back to that, a little bit of the first thing with the team um, that you really is. I, I think we don't have to have a lot of conversations, you know, about, I, I don't, when I, when I pull kids in and out of the starting lineup, I, I don't have a conversation. My assistant coach, especially knows, Oh, did you talk to so-and-so? Hey coaches, this is Brad Hillegas, content producer at huddle for the NBA, NCAA division one and high school basketball. I'm a big fan of coach Furtado's podcast championship vision because it connects coaches around the country that want to continue learning and growing our beloved game. The X's and O's, coaching philosophy, teaching principles, they're all here. And that's a mission that we're working on at Huddle as well. More than 160,000 teams, including the best in the world, use Huddle to elevate their performance with video. But our collection of online tools is much more than that. 
mobile desktop apps, smart cameras, video editing, data analytics software, the list goes on. But our goal is to help coaches like you teach the game in a modern way, whether that's connecting with your athletes, communicating your game plan, or looking to gain a competitive edge. And if you want to see how Huddle can help your program, visit Huddle.com. That's H-U-D-L.com to learn more. And of course, keep listening to the Championship Vision podcast to never stop learning. Hey, this is NBA skills coach Drew Hanlon of Pure Sweat Basketball, and you are listening to the Championship Vision podcast. Coaches, thank you so much for, uh, for joining us on this part one of this series with uh, Coach Kelly Silpak of Miramonte High School on that. I uh, hope you enjoyed the first half of this. I know he had some great details on how you can help your kids, how you can build your program. Uh, coming up will be part two of this series where Kelly goes over um, the th- stages three, four, and five of his top five of his program strengths. Talks a lot about practice planning. And also he gives a great segment on what parents can do to help make their uh, experience with their kids so much better. So hopefully you stay tuned for part two. Thank you for joining me for part one of this series. Take care.